So I now want to invite Jonathan, and he's got an exciting morning um, lined up for us this morning. I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you so much, Ruth. Good to see everybody. Um, Yes, Paul Ned, happy birthday, 70th. We're going to give you birthday bumps at the bottom here after church. 70 punches, that's the plan. Um, Guys, just before we start, this is going to be a really exciting morning because we have Fra Neil not only in the house, but sharing. Come on, can we give it up for Fra as she comes up? Um, Just wanted to, just before, just, um, just two things, just wanted to say, first off, thank you so much, church family, for last week and everyone that played a part in serving, and wasn't it a fun Sunday? Just being with um, not just us together, but the, the amount of people that flew in and just to be a part of something that's much bigger than all of us. So just Ruth and I just wanted to say thank you. Um, there are rumors going around about the type of oil that was poured on our heads. Um, and I'm just going to silence all the stories is that Dan had a pot of anointing oil in his flat. It's probably been there for about five, seven years and he's used it now and then while he's been here and at one point he need it was running a bit low so he topped it up and then what he topped it up with he thought was olive oil but was actually chili oil so basically you need to understand I think do you guys have a picture okay so I did just throw a picture up it's just fun but basically when the oil was a surprise for Ruth and I and when it hit our heads and started to roll the oil first fell on my head, and it, as it traveled down my face, it sort of turned the corner and went into my lip and then went into my mouth. And instantly, and I'm, this, is, this is what happened, for about three seconds, the sensation that my body was telling me, and I said to myself, whoa, this is the fire of the Lord. <laughs> and then after three seconds, I then thought to myself, this kind of tastes like the oil I put on my pizza at Pizza Express. And then Ruth, on the other hand, the oil, when it began to fell down her head and her face, missed her mouth but went into her eye. And so she was feeling something different than me. So, yes, the image there of us laughing and Dan looking like that kind of smug, I've got you, Jonathan and Ruth, as he does. I feel like the Lord took care of the oil and Dan added the chili. So, yes, funny stories. I'm sure there'll be a story about that. Keep going. So, um, he didn't mean to. Sorry. Yes, very important. Dan had no idea that that's what happened. So he says. Um, um, The other thing is, just wanted to just highlight some news just around church finances. Um, If you are a trustee in this house and you are here, could you please stand Simon Harrison leads a wonderful team. There's Will Morse, uh, there's Simon, there's Bob Hamer, there's more, there's Mike Jacobs, Andy King. Who else am I missing? Jake Wright. Um, church family, last year, um, around March time, in the, and as you know, we were still going through the, um, the, the walking as a church and as a nation through COVID. The trustees um, uh, made a decision of increasing the budget. Um, which was not only a step of faith, but it was, there was just confidence, not only just in what we were seeing, but also the confidence and faithfulness of this house, of just the generosity and the faithfulness of tithes and offering. And um, as a church, the, um, we ended the financial year um, last month um, over budget by £5,000. 
And I would just like to thank every single one of you and specifically thank the trustees for all their hard work and Helen Lotwick. Um, I don't know if she's here, but um, Helen Lotwick works so hard for this house when it comes to finances and processes. She's amazing. So Helen, if you're at home watching or in here, I can't see you, but thank you so much for everything that you do. Okay, so this is a really exciting morning. Um, As you guys know from September last year, we as a house have been going through the book of Acts and just wanting to really look at not only what does the kingdom look like, but how do we demonstrate it in our day. We are alive in a time where the kingdom of God, we sang it, is moving at the speed of light. And the power of the Holy Spirit is not just on us, but it's to go through us to touch the world. Amen? And so today is really special because we have the privilege of having Fra, who is a missionary to the Philippines. um, And she's going to come up and introduce herself to those who don't know her. And we're just going to have a little conversation. um, And she's got some amazing things to share with us. And we're going to she's going to pray for us and we're going to pray for her. Is that okay? Now, before I um, just pull her up, I just want to, I was sent this, um, I was sent this to me um, by one of her friends and it's just, I just want to just send this out and she will punch me when she comes on stage as she gets up. But this is Fra Neil in a time, um, and she's going to tell us how long she's been in the Philippines, but this is just to give you a bit of a picture of the fruit of the Uh, the fruit of the ministry that she does in the Philippines. She's established five churches and five church buildings. She pastors and and appoints pastors. She oversees children and youth work, including camps. She she creates schooling programs. She teaches in a Bible school. She provides medicine for people in the mountains. She builds homes for orphans and widows. She owns a rice field and fruit field, which she uses for providing jobs, feeding people, and raising money. And she also runs a bakery. So could we just stand and just welcome and honor this woman of God that God is using in the Philippines? Come on, Fra. All right, guys, thank you. Take a seat. One thing he did forget is I do rescue dogs as well. <laughs> um, could I have a show of hands here who know who, who, know who Fra is? Look at that. And hands up who you've never seen or heard of Fra before. Wonderful. Okay, <laughs> keep your hand down, Tony. Um, so, Farah, why don't you just begin by just telling us as a house um, who you are, how you came to find us as a body many years ago or just a few years ago? You can answer that question. Okay. First of all, it's great to be here and to see so many faces I know and some many faces I don't know. But it's, it's good to be here. And it's good to recognize the goodness of God and his faithfulness. Um, He never changes. And he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's the security we have in him. So anyway, I've been part of the church here. I was trying to figure out when I first came, and I can't remember. But it's over 40 years. So if we say that, we cover. Um, Not quite. 
not quite. That came after me. But we had, um, I've forgotten what I was going to say now. Um, so I came, I was working first of all for the Salvation Army. And I was an envoy um, for them. And I was sent to a number of places. And then I came to Bath, up at Oddown. I was placed with um, a captain there who um, needed support. But um, so that's how I came to Bath. And from there, we started fellowshipping, and we met up with um, some people from the fellowship then. Um, and we start, I started going along to their meeting. But I knew they had something I didn't have. And I recognized they had that. And so one day, I, people were leaving to go other places. And I said, no, I'm not going to leave. This is where I should be. But God spoke to me very clearly and said, you are to join them. So I left within a, a few days and joined part of their fellowship. And it wasn't easy. Um, I, had, I was living in a tiny bedsit. Um, I suddenly had nothing to do. And I've always been very active in the social army. I played a trumpet. I played the, everything you know, the guitars, I taught the guitar, and, you know, so suddenly I was left all alone, and I thought, oh, so I turned up at Steve Appel's house one day, and when I arrived, I said, is there anything I can do? And they said, well, Pete and Barbie are looking for a babysitter for a few nights, and I said, oh, I'd do that, yeah, I'd love to. I was in a little bedsit, and so I started serving Pete and Barbie, and I became part of their family. They adopted me, and I adopted them, if you like. God had given me a family. And if you know um, anything about me, I was actually brought up in a children's home. So I didn't understand about family, love, you know, all those sort of stuff <laughs> you have in a family. So it was God-given. God gave me them. And also, I was, a, I was able to help them fulfill their ministry, which has a knock-on effect. I used to babysit. I would clean the house when they came back. I'd do the washing up. I would do, you know, whatever I could. Even though I was, didn't have to do that, I felt, and then it all went from there. So what was it like growing up in the church at that time? What was going on in the body? What? I mean, it was, it was very good. I, I always hid behind, if people know, I always hid behind catering and making the teas, making the coffees, because that was what I was most comfortable doing. So I, I just served as much as possible. Um, God spoke to me in the very early days about serving, but I'll talk about that in a minute. And so what year from where you've just described to when you went to the Philippines, describe what God was doing in you that you ended up getting on a plane and going to the Philippines. I've always been interested in doing things for having a venture, if you like. And anyone who gave me an opportunity to go and do something abroad or anything, I would take. I smuggled Bibles into Europe, into um, Poland, um, into East Germany before the war, you know, wars came down. I did relief work 
in Pakistan for six months, working with the Afghan refugees. And so anything which came up, I would go. Because I wanted to do, I wanted to achieve something. I just wanted to serve God. But to make a difference, I think that was it. Okay. I, started, I went to the Philippines because Mercy in Action were taking a team. And uh, so I went on one of the teams one year. And it was, it was good, but it wasn't easy because um, I felt very restricted. And then I went the next year on the team again. And I thought, yeah, I really like it here. I really feel, you know, there's something. But I don't really like just going on a team. So, I, you know, I started going by myself twice a year um, for two weeks, helping out in the Bible school, um, sponsoring different things. And so I started doing that. And then I really felt from God that it would be good to, to go out there full time. And I spoke to the leadership at that time. And they said, yeah, go out for one year. And when you go, um, you come back and we talk about it. And we will send you out as, um, as a missionary. You know, we'll send you out. But when I came back, unfortunately, it was the time when the leadership had departed who said that to me. And so suddenly, who do I go to? And there was nobody. And I thought, what do I do? And I thought, well, God told me to go out, so I'm going to do it. So I sold my house. Um, My workplace actually were very good because they gave me a year off work because I worked for social services as an occupational therapy technician. And in that in itself was a miracle, because I was the first woman technician ever in the whole of England to be working, taking on that responsibility. And it was God-given, but yet they gave me one year off and said, when you come back, the job is yours still. Um, of course, but when I came back, I said, thank you, but no thank you. You know, God has moved me on. And so I went out and decided to go out. And I, with the money I sold my house, I I started to build a house and went from there. Tell us what what it was about the Philippines and the people that you resonated, that you knew that this is where God had called you to. Self-esteem is very low in the Philippines of who they are. And one of my um, conviction was that they were lovely, lovely, genuine people who have a servant heart and who love just to watch out and watch over. And just the whole thing about that poverty level was very, very poor. Um, crime, where I was actually based, was very, very difficult. There was a lot of problems within the city But I knew that God put me there for a reason and to be an encouragement and to be a help. Okay, can I go on to the rest? Okay, I've prepared something which I think would open. God gave me a scripture many years ago. Okay, and the scripture was in Ephesians 9, 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. 
So whatever comes into your path, whatever comes into your sight of line, if you like, just do it unto God. And so that's what I started doing before I went to the Philippines, is whatever God put in front of me, I would do. So whatever it may be, stewarding, whether it's stewarding, looking after the kids, whatever, that was scripture God gave me. And the other one he he gave me was Ephesians 2.10. And it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. That means God has already prepared each one of you and myself good works to do. He's prepared it. And you say, well, what are those good works? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it to the glory of God. And those were scriptures I really felt were important and a guideline for me. Whatever he put in front of me to do. And I was been teaching at the Bible school for 17 years, but I've actually finished that now because I felt that came to an end. Because um, I used to say, what, what is my gifting? What am I good at? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, it talks about being different parts of the body and being, you can't say to your hand, sorry, I don't need you anymore or I don't need this eye, go on, off you go, that the body is made up of many parts, and we need every single one of those parts to function 24-7. You know, it's difficult when you can't. But God has made us as a body, and so we've all got different gifts, we've all got different abilities, and we just need to say, well, Lord, what's my gift? And my gift is this, the gift of helps. Okay, I'm, I'm not called really to be a missionary, even though I do that. But actually, my gifting is the gift of helps to enable other people within the in Philippines to do and to be who they are called to be. And that includes the young people. We have, uh, up in the mountain now, we have um, seven churches now. Last year, we opened up two more. They're meeting in the homes at the moment, but one of them is we're planning to do a building for them in this coming next few months, is my aim. So they, because they have grown out of the area they're in. And so we have, on a Sunday, seven meetings. And I have also nine of the Bible school students working with me over that period who we've got through are now working up in the mountain areas. Some of them... We've got four, four married couples, two, two with two children each. The other two, no children yet. Oh, no, one has. Yep. And then we've got two single men who were from the Bible school um, a few years ago. That, and we've got one other um, lady and her husband who are not, not been through the Bible school, but have have got a calling on their lives and they are pastoring one of the other churches now so we have in different areas we've got this going on and it's incredible what God has done and doing and it's not through me but it's those individuals who've gone out and and done their bit and not been afraid to take a step of faith um 
When God called his disciples, he said, come, follow me. And they left their nets and they followed him. And today is, is when people celebrate Pentecost. And Pentecost was the start of the church, if you like, when in Jerusalem, the disciples were meeting together in the upper room and a few other people as well. There was about 120 of them. And they were meeting together and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter, who denied Christ because he was afraid, certainly got the gift of boldness because he stood up and he, and he gave his sermon, his, one of his first sermons about they're not drunk, they're not this, they're not that. And he explained everything. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, which enabled them to be who they were called to be. They had been trained for the last, goodness for three years by Jesus, what to say, what to do. And they followed him and watched him. And so God had already, if you like, worked on them in the sense of he was preparing them for the things they would have to do. And he even sent them out and they came back and said, yeah, this happened, this happened. It was so exciting. Um, And then after his death, they started going and doing in Jerusalem. And then we know the rest of the story on how Saul came along and opened it up, if you like, to the Gentiles and how the church because of persecution, went out into all the region, and they started being a church in many places. And then Saul, of course, became known as Paul, and he started his missionary journeys out throughout the region, preaching the gospel, setting up churches, and doing the thing which God had called him to be. Um, Jesus said... I haven't come here to, to be served, but to serve and to give my life for many. And he got up from the table and he started to wash the disciples' feet. And he said to them, look, I've set an example for you to do, that you do the same. Not though we go around washing, washing our feet, other people's feet, but that we learn how to serve one another, how to go the extra mile for one another. So we don't just do the small thing, but we just do a little bit extra just to bless them. And that's, I think, what's been on my heart is that I'm, I'm nothing fantastic by any means. I'm, when I left school, I couldn't read or write. But God uses people I know who say, Lord, here am I use me. And he opens up the doors and he opens up opportunities. And you think when I look back of what God has done over the years, I think, oh my goodness. And it, but it's not me. I've just been one of those little links in the chain. It takes many people and certainly with friends who've been in the church and who have sponsored um, me from the very beginning and new ones, but that has been seeds you have sown, which is part of your your fruit of what you have sown into me, but into the Philippines. 
and the churches are doing good. You get hiccups when you deal with people, unfortunately. <laughs> you do get hiccups, and we have had challenges, and we no doubt we still have challenges. And the last two years, particularly, has been an incredible challenge um, to get food supplies and stuff up to the mountain, get through checkpoints, my goodness, paperwork to get through those checkpoints. And sometimes <clears throat> I've had to tell a little story I would say a white lie. But the last two years, you talk about the government here not sticking to the rules. For the last two years, I have been 50, 58. <laughs> because there was many times when I couldn't get through the checkpoints and I had to say, hmm, well, I'm, I'm only 58. You know, and they kind of, okay, go, go. Fra, can you tell us specifically what happened to you and your ministry and the people for the last two years with COVID-19 around the world? What, ha what did you see and what happened? Our house became very big. <laughs> I ended up with eight teenagers, two younger children, and six adults in our house. Will you imagine having eight teenagers? Oh, yes, that's our household. Yeah, this, this was a celebration. Um, well, it's got bigger by adding stuff. But yes, we did the upstairs and we have um, a you know, number of bedrooms. But yes, um, that's our household. Do you want to show some more pictures? Then give you an idea. I'll try and... Hello? Oh, oh this is getting supplies up to the mountain. This is one of the checkpoints we couldn't get through. So... We would get the boys from the mountain to come down with their motorbikes and then we would load up and then take them, they would take them up. But it was very hard for the people in the mountain. They couldn't get supplies in and so we, you know, that's my pickup truck there. I'll just load that up. Can you show the next pictures? Yeah. This is during um, the lockdown. There were some areas in Atsamis which were um, under quarantine but also finding it very hard. So we, we did a supply of food um, for them. That's one of my girls, Lovejoy. No, that's not Lovejoy. Yes. <laughs> Get their names. There's, it's Rosemary, Lovejoy, Joy Joy. So sometimes I say Joy Joy. No, Lovejoy. Oh, whatever your name is, come here. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is the bakery. Um, we started this up because a, a young man lost his job and was not able to find a job, and he was a baker. So we set up this bakery, as you do, you know, buying the equipment, and um, we put it on our fruit land, which is part of um, land we own with coconut and banana trees and stuff. And they live on the land, and we built a house for them and for their mother. So next one, please. Oh, that's rice from the fruit la from the um, rice land, um, which we got and stopped up. This was all to go up to the mountain. This was for Christmas, this lot. So this was all to go up to the mountain for Christmas, which we gave out um, buckets and stuff. Can you show some more, how, please? How many people in the mountains are you feeding, uh, roughly? I don't know. Uh, we, you just do. I, <laughs> you just don't count. <laughs> no. You just throw it at them. Uh, yeah. These are ducks. 
We do have, keep ducks as well. We have about 80 ducks at the moment. So the idea is that they will sell them and then they, keep, they can keep the money to help them and their family and for other people. Next one, please. Ah, we do house building. In the last three years, we have built 10 houses and each of the houses we do, sorry, there should have been a picture of a house, but it got lost. But this is a solar light system we, I buy and we give one to each of the families so they've got lights because in most of the places there's no electric anyway. So especially higher in the mountain. Okay. Oh, this is our church building in Samata. Um, we had the tiles done last year. So that was really good. So that's roughly what it looks like. Oh, these are some of our kids. Yeah, these are some of them. During lockdown, we got a few extra bikes. And this was two minutes from where we live. So it meant that they could get out. Um, when they could go out, they weren't allowed out for about four months, I think it was. So after four months, we managed to, they were allowed to go so far. And so praise God, that's some of them, not all of them. Oh, and this is the first time we managed to get into a swimming pool after the lockdown. Uh, we found somewhere which was open, which was a miracle. And so they went swimming. So it was like fun time. But these are the people who live in the house. Next one. Studying, that was a, a challenge. My internet connection was absolutely hopeless. Um, so I had to get a new internet section. When we got that, that didn't do much any good. So I got another one. And then, of course, I had to buy and look for second-hand laptops for them to use during the lockdown period. So that's uh, them, some of them. The others have upstairs. Medical supplies. I keep a, a supply of antibiotics, um, paracetamol for children and for adults, um, and various other medicines to give out free to those in the mountain. And we've got through a huge amount during lockdown because some people couldn't get down. They couldn't find that they had an infection or um, urine infection as well, which was, you know, quite serious. There's another type of antibiotics we kept um, for them. So we would give out antibiotics for people. Next picture. Children's Centre. Um, this is the new one we've done just recently where the kids meet. So that's one Show the next one. That's the old one. Okay, it's made out of wood, um, bamboo, but it was always rotten, the floor. But now it's solid um, and waterproof. So these are the guys who work for me. doing. They do all the house building as well for me. Uh, I have a team who do that, so that's good. Next one. This is the rice field, one of them. We've only got one now. I don't know sorry, when. We had three at one time. But we've only got one now. So that's, that's the general rice field. Next one. Uh, five weeks ago, we had a youth camp up in the mountain. And uh, we had, um, it was a three-day event. And at the end of the three days, um, eight got saved. Wow. They were from different churches around, our churches around. And they had friends come. Eight got saved. And then, so we were going to go and baptize them in the river. And so when I said, all oh, right, we're going, we, we had a talk about being baptized. We ended up with 28 to be baptized. Wow. 
So, come on. You know, that was really good. I mean, we have been doing some baptisms, but um, about 18 months ago in a river, and we got away with it. But they were very strict, so we had to be very careful. Um, but these guys, um, do you want to show some more pictures? Yeah, not that one. Another one, please. That shows all my fat. Yeah, but look how fat I am. It's terrible. But <laughs> anyway, we baptized them. But the funny thing about it was, it was very, very slippery. And there was big boulders in the river. And I was trying this, and I shouldn't have been baptizing anyway, because one of our other guys should have been there, but he didn't turn up. So, so I had to go down into the water. And I had such a hard job balancing to, to duck them in and to bring them back out again. By doing, after I've done 22, I said, I can't do any more. So I got one of our young lads down who'd just been baptized. I said, you come take over now because I can't do it. So that was the storyline on it. But anyway, does that answer? Right. But I think what I want to say is this. Um, fear stops you doing what God has called you to be. Fear, it says in 1 John fourteen eighteen, it says, love casts out fear. The fear of man brings a snare. Fear will stop you from stepping out in faith, doing what God has called you to be. And it just takes that one step. You know a song we used to sing years ago? It used to say, it only takes a spark to start a fire burning. It only takes one little thing to start a fire going. And to sow those seeds of faith into people. Sometimes we don't know what it's going to produce. And that's the story of the parable, isn't it? Sometimes you don't know the seeds you are sowing, what it's going to produce. But that's actually not our responsibility is to necessarily, you know, see the, the fruit. Our responsibility is to sow the seeds into people's lives, to bring hope. And that's what God has given each one of us who are believers. We have a hope for tomorrow. Many people do not have that hope. And if you look at the world's situation today, there's a lot of people who don't have hope. But our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I've come to give you life, that you have it more abundantly. And that's what God's given us. And it's a privilege to be in partnership with God and with you guys in doing what God has laid on my heart. But I know with many of you here that God has laid on your heart to be people who are doers of the word and not just hearers of the world. And, and that's, you know, it's like when I look at some of the Old Testament people, and Joshua particularly, and even Paul Jeremiah, you know, he was called, he said, oh, he said, I'm too young, I can't do it. You know, I can't speak. And God says, I will give you what you need. When God calls you, he will equip you. Over the years, what God has brought me through and things I've been through has equipped me for what I'm doing today. All the different things. I work for social services. 
I was a relief officer in charge of old people's homes and special needs homes. Um, and God opened up every door for me. And I got jobs, which I was not qualified to do, but yet I got. And it wasn't me, it was God who had gone before me and opened those doors. It says, when God opens a door, he opens it. But when he closes it, he closes it. Yeah. And nothing you can do can open it. But God has opened many doors. And for people to walk in and say, Lord, like Samuel here, Lord, speak for your servant here. I want to be, and I still want to be. I, do, I make mistakes. I'll, I'll say that, yeah. Okay, but, but we all make mistakes. But God would rather have people who make mistakes and do something than people who don't do anything and never make a mistake. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake. Nothing whatsoever. But God can use it for his glory. How good is this? You are amazing. And I know you'll whack me in a minute if I say that again. Uh, you will, I know. Don't whack me. Don't hit me. So you see that? She went for me. Fra, what, what would you say to us who, you, like you very clearly said, when you just surrender to the Lord and you do what he gives you, what's in your hand? What could you say to us, a room who are watching online and, and, and for us together this morning? who are carrying gifts, dreams, passions from the Lord, and yet we may, they may be, we, I, all of us, we may feel like we're in seasons of waiting. We feel like we're in seasons where what we do has no, is not connected to the call or the passion that's in our heart. You, you talk about working with, you know, with social working, working in nursing homes, how did you, I mean, obviously this was just what you had and you just diligently served, but all of this was for a greater purpose. How, how can you encourage us for those who feel like they're in a season of waiting? I think take opportunity if it comes on your door. When I started um, stepping out in faith, I would hear somebody said, um, I met an American lady. And she said, I'm going into Eastern Europe, but I need a partner to come with me to take Bibles and money and things. And I said, oh, I'll go. You know, and we got into some very sticky situations. But it's taking opportunity when you see it and go for it. Taking that step of faith. You know, saying, well, he's called me to this. Um, but it's having that, um, I don't know how you say it really, but stepping out and saying, Lord, here am I, and take the opportunities, especially with serving, because serving one another and watching out for one another um, opens up doors and opportunities for you to do more. So it's like you start with the family, serving in the family. You start. If you want to start being evangelist, then when you come into church, or church building, shall I say, not into church, I don't like that. When you come into a building, don't just go to your friends. Go to people you don't know and start talking to them. 
okay? I had a, a thing I used to do on a Sunday before I went out that I would talk to at least two to three people I didn't know and ask them where you come from, what you do. And just as you start serving, just as you start praying for people, then God opens up situations. You start with the small things, the small little things of serving one another, watching out for one another, caring for one another, and then God opens up those doorways for you. And he will show you the way. And that's how I, I did. We used to look after in the church here when I was, before I left, I used to, my responsibility, one of them was to look after the elderly and the widows. And that is a so important um, thing to do, is to look after the widows, the elderly, um, young people, how to serve the widows, the elderly. And you think, how can I do that? Well, there's lots of ways you can go. You can find out who the elderly are, go and pay them a visit. You can do their gardening, practical things, but just watching out and just encouraging them. So there are many practical things you can do, but you have to just say, Lord, here am I, use me, open the situation, and then take the opportunity when you see it. How can we um, get involved practically in, because um, we're going to take an offering up for you in a minute, how can we, what are the projects that are burning in your heart that you're going back? When do you fly back to the Philippines? Um, I fly back the end of June, but I'm going to America for four, no, two weeks, I think it is. Because three of my girls um, have married Americans. And one of them particularly is my main concern is that she's um, called Elizabeth and she's lovely. And I knew her when she was seven years old, when her mother had died. And she and her brother and sister were left alone in this um, wooden house sort of thing. Their father had left them. He's gone off with another woman. And basically, they didn't have food. They were going to school. They didn't have anything. And the older brother was trying his hardest to be at school and to provide for them. And so we, we had the two girls to come and live with us when they were seven. And I put them through school in. They lived with us and took them down to Azamis because I work in two different places. And basically, um, it, she went to college. And so I'm going to out visit her because she's been dying for me to go. I didn't particularly want to travel because traveling at the moment is not my forte. Um, but it's, I just want to encourage her, really, because it's not easy. She's got two young children. Um, but she, she loves the Lord, and the guy she's married, he loves the Lord. Um, so, you know, it would be good to see them. So what projects, what projects are on your heart for when you go back? Okay. I still want to carry on doing house building for the widows, um, especially up in the mountain area. Um, there's just out at Zami's, um, a place called Claren. We have built probably, I think maybe 10 houses there now um, in Claren area. But up in the mountain is a place where I'd like to carry on building. Because many of them who are widows um, are living on uh, basically very little. 
and the houses are kind of collapsing. And so my heart is to carry on doing as much as we can um, to build houses. But also I want to build the new outreach place for church building in um, just below us. I can't remember the name of the place. Well, I can, but I can't pronounce the word. It's, some of their words are very difficult, but it's like something like Pandaddy Anne something. So they have some funny names. So I want to build this place for them, and I want to um, redo one of the old church buildings. I want to take all the wood away because of the termites and put a new roof on and that, um, and just basically carry on doing the projects we're doing. You are an inspiration for her. Isn't she? Before we pray for you, could you pray for us to receive the same, really the simple gospel that you carry and yet your fruit is so evident that we would, even being in Bath and the, and the, and the surrounding areas that we're from, that we would take just what you said so simply about having a gift of helps. I know there are people in this house that also carry that specifically, but actually this is for all of us about serving one another. Could you, if we all stand, could you, could you pray for us? Just before I pray, Jesus um, once said, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. So he was secure in where he was at. And it's important that you know where you came from and you know where you're going, so you can be secure in where you are at this time. And then you take that step of faith from that security, knowing that you come from where you're going, so you can be secure on where God has placed you. Amen? So that's important to know, that God has a purpose and plan for each person, whether how old or how young you can be, um, it doesn't matter. God has not finished. He's not finished until you go into the grave. That's when it's finished. But that's when it starts again. So, and that's our hope. So, and I'll pray that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see, but he, he will make a way for you and for me. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we just ask that you will make a way for each person to walk in the job you have prepared for them to do, in the works you have prepared for them to do. We know that faith and works work together. And so, Father, we just ask that you will open the right doors, that you will open the right windows, that you would just open those paths that you will make a way in every situation here today. Lord, you know the hearts of the people here. You know what they're longing for. And just, I just ask, Lord, that you would just open those doors, that they will see clearly the things you have called them to be and the people you have called them to be. We thank you, Father. You are a good God. And we thank you that you never change and that you... You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that you have made a way. And we just need to look to you because you are our hope. You are our future. 
And there's nothing else we can do but to watch and look at you. So we thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, Friar, you're part of the fruit of many things that have happened into this house, but about the Lord sending people from this house to the nations. And we want to just thank you just for your servant-heartedness and, and saying yes to the Lord. But I also just felt corporately that there's an opportunity here, a response for those who believe they are called to the nations. They are called to another country. Or you may feel called to a certain area of society. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's education. Maybe it, it, whatever it is that God has given you and there's a sense of, I know I need to go. Could you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Thank you. I see it. If you feel like you are called to go. If that's you, could you come to the front? I want Fra to pray for you. I want us literally just to recognize that we, we don't just have a calling of this house to build this house and also bless our city. We're also, we also have a call to the nation and the nations. And Fra, you're a testament to that. And I think that you've got, look at all these people coming. Isn't that amazing? You know, going through the book of Acts, it's the recognition of that when the Holy Spirit falls, he sends. And that there is something about a mission and a call of this house to send people to where God's called them to go. Father, we just stretch hands first to Fra and let's just bless her. Father, we thank you so much for this servant. And like she quoted Samuel, Lord, here is your servant. Father, may she go not only with the protection from this house, but also the provision. Father, everything, Lord, that you want to sow into this ministry, into this woman, Lord, will fall into this offering um, basket at the front here. But for our, we send you in with the peace of God. And just like you prayed over us, that you will go back to the Philippines and that the Lord will open doors that no man can open. And, and also, Fra, we bless you to, to um, watch what the Lord can do when you surrender yourself again and, and with the raising up of mothers and fathers around you and the young people, of people coming alongside you saying yes to what God is doing in you and your mission. We bless you, Fra. We thank you that you are a gift to us and we bless everything that God has done in you. And we also bless what God is going to do through you. We pray that you will become everything that God's called you to be. And for those who have responded to the front or even those at the back who you haven't yet come down, but you feel like you've been touched by this. Have you guys been encouraged by this message this morning? Father, we just pray. I pray for every single person watching and in the room, Lord, who has been called, who's been set apart. Father, I even just for us, Lord, that for those who are here, Lord, who are here for a set time, Lord, may you receive everything that God has for you in the season that you have. Where is it where, where there is disappointment, Father, would you replace it with faith? Father, where there is, where it feels hopeless, Father, would you bring hope back again? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are, this is a sending house. And Lord, that we say yes to what you're doing around the world. In our homes, in our cities, in our workplace, at the school gates. 
to the nation of the UK and beyond, to the nation all around, nations all around the world. Father, may your word and your promise go forth from this place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Farah is just going to go down. Everyone here, Farah, you you're going to lay hands on these people. Um, could we just have someone just help her just with any catches or any words, people just to follow her? Ruin, could you just help her? Thanks, ma'am. Those of you who have come forward, just stay where you are and, uh, and we'll just stay in this moment. I believe that this is that these are the days, guys, where the Lord is sending us people to not only wake us up but remind us of who we've called, who we've been called to be as a house. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would seal everything that's been said today. Father, provoke us where where we need to um, honor this woman and sow into her ministry, Lord. But also, Father, that beyond this, the people that she's called, that we're called to serve. Holy Spirit, would you provoke us to move and act on this? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Church family, um, tea and coffee is going to be served over here. If those of you who have come to the front, if you can move over to this side and we're going to have um, prayer ministry, um, just come. Those who are leading life groups, I know you're trained if you want to come and lay hands. And Fra's just going to be here laying, praying for people. And I'm going to invite Janine just to close up the meeting before we leave. Guys, um, just want to share that there's a family that's been part of this church, um, Anna and Nathan Leakey, and they're two beautiful little girls. And they're going to go be in Devon, and today is their last Sunday. And I'd love us to be able to pray and bless them as well. So I think they're over in that corner over there, Anna's got hand up waving but they've been part of the city I know Anna for 20 years they've led a church here they've run the coffee shop literally they are people of integrity and prayer and they're prophetic and they love so well and I'd love us to also just gather around them and really bless them as they are being sent out and that's what we do all right so if you could do that just go low on them so guys, if you have, want to respond and give an offering to Fra, the bucket is here. And then Jenny, Jenny, give us a wave, just wave. Jenny's going to be at the back with a clipboard for those who want to personally stay in touch with Fra and get involved with any of the projects that she's doing. If you want to give to Fra and you haven't got some money in your pocket, um, do give online. Mention Fra in the reference and I'm sure Helen will make sure it goes to the right place. Thank you, church. Amen.